Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Whole Lot of Nerd. Today's episode, we talk Justice League, followed by more about Justice League, followed by more about Justice League, with a small nod, just the slightest nod, to Justice League. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, we'll talk about Justice League, but just want to touch on a few other things, too. And... As always, I'm just going to throw it out top of the top of the show. If you're looking for cool geek apparel, geek t-shirts, possibly some future toys, go to etsy.com backslash shop backslash whole lot of nerd. You'll or follow us on Instagram, whole lot of nerd, all one word. And keep an eye out. Might be some cool little things popping up, possibly justice league related as well <laughs> but i want to talk today of course i'm going to talk about the justice league movie who hasn't talked about this goddamn movie this weekend i mean it feels i saw this technically thursday wednesday 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 night got a little got a little uh screener there but i had to go to work so i couldn't see the whole thing but finished it off by watching it Thursday morning at 2 a.m. to the last half. So two hours before work and two hours after work. And I'll give my thoughts on that. But recently did rewatch it as a full four hour sit down and, and watch watch along with my buddy. So I'll explain how I feel about that as well. But before we begin with the Justice League of Justice League is, let's just talk real quickly about things that are going on. Um, first thing I came across today, well, this is going to be something to what I was talking to to you guys a few weeks ago. So, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, the reviews are coming out, uh, and apparently... It's amazing. It apparently is a awesome kaiju beatdown of a film with little, little human interactions and storytellings. But apparently, the the real nerd fest of what we want this movie to be, of just a gigantic ape and an oversized lizard just fighting each other to see who will dominate the land. Apparently, it's really good. Apparently, it lives up to the hype. And it's apparently not the worst in the human interaction parts. I, I've seen little blips and burps of the you know, little things about it. Um, but apparently the, the human story, it's still like usual. If you're into it, it's great. And if you're not into it, well, it's minimal, apparently, because there's way more fighting. And apparently it just lives up. So there's a lot of positive buzz for this movie, and God, we can't wait. Um, when is this coming out again? Uh, comes out the 31st. So March 31st is the release date for Godzilla vs. Kong on HBO Max. Um, of course, it's going to most likely air in the West Coast a little earlier, or on midnight, depending. East Coast, well, 3 o'clock in the morning, but... You can be, you can rest assured, you're going to see tons of people 
cheering on who won. Is it Team Godzilla or Team Kong? Some people know, and apparently it's worth the watch. So that's that's what we got look we got that's what we have to look forward to here. Uh, uh, actually, a week from now, actually a week from this Wednesday. Um, so get ready. Um, another thing, um, actually one of the this week, of course, or last week technically, what was the big talk? Of course, was Justice League. I'm gonna make a counter. How many times I've said Justice League now? But either way, the big talk was that. But also the big talk was. For Marvel, the the premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier apparently is the most watched series premiere on Disney Plus uh, per ScreenRent.com. And I was able to watch the first episode. And I got to say this about it. It's okay. (laughs) It's an okay. It's an okay episode. Now. When I first saw WandaVision, the first episode, it was hard to get through the first three episodes because you just don't know what's going on. But you you get clobbered by this change of pace that you don't know what to think. But what solved it for me for WandaVision when I rewatched it, because I stopped one episode in and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to watch this until everything comes out. But. When I got back to it and I thought I made myself think this is a mystery. Try to figure out what is going on. Why is this happening? Go with that mindset. It made it more tolerable. Now, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're watching now maybe five, no, more than five years, and maybe six years past. I'm not too sure about the date and when this takes place, but let's just assume six years. After the event, let's say it took one whole year for the events of um, Endgame to to play out. That took a whole year. You know, let's just say five years, five six years. Blah. Um, you're just seeing two individuals going their separate ways, and now for the criticism that you you get from Marvel fans that oh you're you know, for DC, you know, their superheroes are dour. They're they have issues. They're always sad. Well, fuck. Welcome to our world, because that's pretty much what you got in this. You you have um, the the Falcon's character pretty much trying to salvage his uh, his family's legacy and coming to terms that. Just like any, and this is an unfortunate thing. That and kudos to to Marvel for touching on this, because it is a real world thing of veterans not getting a pass on certain things. Um, now, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen this show, have you seen the, the first episode? Which I'm surprised if you haven't. Because, of course, if Disney is saying it's the most watched show on Disney+, Plus, I mean, pretty much means if you're under a rock, you really haven't seen it. But if you have seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, well, go ahead and watch it. I'll say this right now. It's an okay episode. It might build up a little bit later, but just saying it's an okay episode. And this is not me being biased. 
This is just me actually thinking it was an okay episode. So, with Marvel touching now, because they really haven't done this real world, you know, aspects of things. I don't, I don't believe. Um, they started with WandaVision touching on grief, which is a real world component of the human psyche. And now they're touching on on Falcon being technically a vet, um, <laughs> the biggest war vet you could have, and not being able to get a loan to save his family's business. Now, that is such a real world thing that kudos to Marvel, but also kind of bad on Marvel for waiting this long to touch on real world grounded moments and things. We've had, what is it, 20 years of of Marvel movies and they're very fantastical. But they're also set in a world that's very pretty and perfect. The fact that Marvel is now touching on grounded realism means it took you guys that long to realize this shit was real. Maybe put an eye on it. You know, it. You know, if this was mentioned in, let's say, uh, was it uh, Captain America? Um, let's say the first movie, even on the first movie. If it would have been touched on, imagine the the amount of, um, not criticism, but praise that, oh, kudos to Marvel for actually addressing something that happens in real life to real people. Kudos to them. But we unfortunately didn't see it. But now we have it here on the show. And... I honestly don't know what what the the take is on or the take is for a lot of fans Marvel fans in this episode. Do they, you know, realize this is something that happens or do they think, "Oh, well that's so sad. Why is it happening to Sam?" Well, shit's real. Will they do anything more about it? I don't know. I guess Disney just doesn't want to be political and that's being safe. And this, that one moment is being, it's taking a step out of that comfort zone to address something. And I think that's great. That's fantastic. But it also deals with trauma, PTSD, in the sense with the Winter Soldier's side of the film. Which, this episode is going to cause some Marvel fans to maybe wait or maybe just you know, wonder what's going on. Why is this episode so slow? Why is it a slow burn? And it's, it's unfortunate because, and I, and again, I have to say this, I have to critique Marvel, although I like Marvel. My favorite Marvel film is actually Endgame because it actually, actually Infinity War. It's actually, my favorite part because it brought a realism that you your superheroes can be hurt your superheroes can be flawed your superheroes can lose they can't always win you're not playing always with toys you know especially in comics how many times has captain america failed or how many times has iron man failed 
countless. But you don't really see that formula. That's not what Disney likes. Disney likes winners. So my take on this is that I think a lot of Marvel fans might not like this show because it's slower pace. It's a slower burn. I mean, there was only two. Yeah, only two action pieces in this whole episode. In the beginning when when Falcon is actually uh, doing a pretty much a, a halo drop to a degree from a, a, a carrier to try to get back a soldier. And then this other part where a soldier that's working with Falcon, he's trying to infiltrate some sort of gang and there was a, a scuffle. <laughs> Technically it was a scuffle. But that's your action in this first episode. The rest of the time... You're seeing the Winter Soldier, Bucky, just going through PTSD. He's going through a list of people he's trying to make amends to. He's basically doing AA to some degree. Or steps, you know, the, the steps to work to resolve your issues or to become, get to a point where you can manage your issues. So he's going down the list, but he has this one person on the list. He just cannot, cannot, at this moment, he can't come out to or resolve the conflict. Because it, and it's addressed in the first few minutes. Actually, uh, maybe 15 minutes into the show. So this is probably going to be maybe two or three episodes of resolution for Bucky or might be something that Bucky holds on to throughout the whole show and shows him getting therapy and plus still probably show him getting still getting therapy at the end who knows but I think for Marvel fans this show this episode was a little difficult to watch because most Marvel fans are used to the fantastical they're used to the, the action pieces and everything and that there wasn't that much of this but for someone who likes slower burns, um, drama, real drama, not action drama, but drama, this is good. And I, that's why I said it's okay. It's it's an okay episode. Um, I will watch the second once it comes out or a little bit after, but we'll see. We'll see how fans take this because so far it looks like they might be waiting or checking out if there's not a big action piece in episode two <laughs> i fear most fans will probably check out and wait for a little bit more so good luck marvel on your next uh, endeavor here um another thing and this is not justice league related because waiting for that but dc related so, we know the Flash movie's coming. Andy Muschietti, who directed both It movies, is directing The Flash. We know there's a Batgirl. Actually, no, no, I'm sorry. Not Batgirl. Supergirl in the movie. She was casted. We know it features Ben Affleck returning as Batman. And we know Michael Keaton is in it. Ah, but see, there's a caveat there. Is he back? And apparently, 
That's not the case. Michael Keaton, in an interview, said that... Uh, let me get the direct quote here. Uh, he was talking to, according to comicbook.com, um, Keaton said, or stated, if I want to talk about Batman, I'll just be bullshitting you. I don't really know. I have to look at the last draft. So, with, and he goes on to say, um, so that's my first thing about all projects. I look at it and go, is this thing going to kill me, literally? And, you know, if it doesn't, then we talk. And what he means by that, of course, is, well, he is, how old is, uh, he's 69. He's almost 70 years old. And, of course, due to the pandemic, he is in a risk area, even though he has gotten the, he probably, I would assume, he's gotten the, the COVID vaccine. But with the variants still being able to possibly maybe do something, who knows? It's he's looking at it differently, you know, like most actors his age, they're looking at taking roles way differently than than it was before back in the the, the pre COVID days. But he hasn't seen the last draft, so he hasn't technically signed on the dotted line, meaning that. Michael Keane is still not secure. Now, we know that originally this was supposed to be a kind of a buddy cop movie. And that's what DC's going for. Well, they're going for more of a in the expanded universe. They're going for just like Marvel. They're going for different type of themes and, and takes on characters or, or movies themselves. So originally, this was supposed to be a cyborg and Flash movie, kind of a buddy cop thing. Well, due to recent events and uh, investigations, uh, Ray Fisher is no longer attached to that project. And, well, they brought in this new story, which is Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck being part of this movie. Meaning, we're possibly getting a version, or possibly, most likely, it's going to be a segment of Flashpoint. But will we know? Will we know? Given that Michael Keaton really has not signed on or finalized yet. So who knows? We'll have to keep you know our eyes out uh, for direct confirmation on that uh, on his signing. And. Let's get this out of the way now, because there is something else I want to talk to you about regarding Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's a little bit more to it, but first, let me get my review out. What did I think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? Now, let me be transparent. I am a fan of Zack Snyder's work. Um... At first, I wasn't with no, Dawn of the Dead. Really wasn't at first, but then I warmed up to it. Because I did like the original best. Warmed up to it. It's good. I like it. Uh, 300. It was good. Not my favorite movie. It was good. It was, it was, it was good. Uh, Watchmen. Fuck, I love that one. 
I love Watchmen. Some people have a problem with it being a direct adaptation from the comic. Me, I did not mind the fact that pretty much every shot is from the comic, panel for panel. Did not mind it. I thought the ending twist was fantastic. A great choice. In fact, I own the Ultimate Edition on Blu-ray with all the bells and whistles. That's how much I love this movie. Um, Sucker Punch. Good movie. Interesting movie. I like it. It's different. Great soundtrack. Uh, Unrated Edition. I own that. Um, But it was good. It wasn't his best, but it was good. Man of Steel. Interesting take on Superman. Superman was never my favorite hero. But he became more of my favorite hero through this version because he became real. And what I love about Zack Snyder's take on the world, not the character, the world, is he's looking at it from a perspective of the what if this happened in your real world? And he answers it. He answers it in Man of Steel. People, of course, when you see Clark as a kid and he's trying to, you know, control his powers, but the other kids are being rude. They're being, you know, they're taunting him, making fun of him. They don't understand he's in pain. But it shows you kids can be brutal. And it shows you when he, when I believe when he tries to, when he saves the the school bus you know he has to be careful because you you don't know the human reaction to something so spectacular you just don't it could go either way and let's face it in the real world it's not going to go in the in the prettiest way usually it gets ugly before it gets uh pretty you know so I thought his take on Man of Steel on Superman was great. And the fact that, you know, Superman had to kill Zod. I thought that was a good choice because it shows you again in the real world. Some things you just have to you you have to do it. How can I put it this way? If his. If his code, moral code, was to never kill, but this villain was at a point of killing, which he was, killing a family, There's and there's no other way to stop him? Do you just keep your moral code and let this whole family die? Or do you do everything in your power to make sure that those people survive, those innocent people survive? So I thought it was a great take. In BVS, when I first I remember when I first saw it in the theater, his it's the monologue in the beginning where you can hear Ben Affleck as Batman basically saying that it's all a lie. It sets you up to like, oh man, we're gonna be in for a metaphor. Or like like this it's gonna be a highbrow kind of film. There's gonna be a lot of thinking involved. And I like those kind of movies. That's what I gravitate to. Movies that make you think and make you wonder. Maybe even try to 
put things together so you can figure out the answer. It's there. You just have to put certain things in a certain way. So the theatrical cut, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. The Ultimate Edition, love that one too. More so because you see more of the world, the character. You see more of Clark being Clark. Um, you see Batman viewed differently in that film. So BVS was always, to me, elevating the highbrow, <laughs> you can say, in these, in these comic book films. Now, that didn't seem to be the case for Warners because they wanted they wanted to copy Marvel. We all know this. Every reviewer, everyone, every comic book news or entertainment news pundit kept echoing the same message. Well, Warner Bros. is behind on their cinematic universe. But, see, here's the thing. And I know this is getting away from the from the review, but I just want you to understand perspective. I guess when Zack Snyder pitched Man of Steel to Warners, and Warners is the one who said, "Okay, let's do it." Matt, uh, Zack Snyder had a five film idea. He wasn't. He wasn't going to be the the Mark, uh, sorry, the Mark, the Kevin Feige of DC. No, he had a story to tell revolving these characters. But because Warner Brothers, number one, didn't have a Kevin Feige. Number two, maybe at that time, they had the idea that, like, okay, we'll give him the film. But we'll try to squeeze in what we really want because we we see Marvel's making gangbusters over there, so let's just let's just let's play along. Let's just play along. But we're gonna really try to force whatever Marvel movies make people laugh. We're gonna force in that. Oh, it's it's brighter. We're gonna force that in eventually. But that didn't happen. Didn't happen that way. But regardless, so I'll go back to that. So with Justice League, when the Joss Whedon version came out, we know the tragedy. We know the story. We now know what Warners had up their had up their sleeve. We know how much is a how much of a, of a mess it was. So when HBO Max says, "Hey, we're gonna give you the money. We're gonna fund it. You're gonna finish it," and then ultimately. It comes out. For me as a fan, I was like, fuck yes. Finally. Finally. Okay, let's see. Let's see what this is. Let's see. And like I mentioned earlier, I saw it two ways. I I couldn't watch it four hours straight. That's what I wanted, but I couldn't do it. So my first initial reactions were jaw-dropping. I, and I understood why the aspect ratio. I understand, and for those who don't understand the aspect ratio, every time you watch a movie that has the widescreen, 
what you're watching is a zoomed in version of a four by three screen. They zoom in, they put the bars, the black bars up in the, up in the top, up in the bottom, up in top, bottom, or they just fill it out enough. So it's, you know, the size of your regular TV screen, if it fits, but what you're getting is a zoomed in version of a four by three. That's what you're getting. Cause most cameras, when they shoot on these films, they're not shot in widescreen. They're shot in full frame. It's only at the end do they add all that stuff. So for Zack Snyder to say, I'm presenting, this is the version I want. This is how I want it to be presented. It's his last shot, technically. Because right as of right now, Warner Brothers, well, as of that moment, Warner Brothers was like, this is it. We're just uh, HBO. They, they're giving you this. And this is it. So it's your last shot. So for him to say, for him to do it and put it the way he did it, my first reaction again, jaw dropping, fucking amazing. I didn't. I wasn't not. I was not bothered by that four by three. Not bothered at all. I understood it because you can see how big these things are. You can see how big the scope of the story is for example when you see at the very beginning you see batman screaming his screams of pain echoing across technically the world you see how big the world is that thing's that, that scene is amazing and then when it hits the mascara so fucking amazing so the, again, the four by three never was an issue for me. So having it be broken up into pieces was interesting and it actually made it flow really good. For the first two hours flowed perfectly up until I think episode or part four ended. That's where I stopped. And at that when I stopped, when I stopped at that part, I was just like, my God. I cried at the cyborg scene, which everyone is talking about. I cried on that. I was excited when when you see Uxis or Darkseid before he's Darkseid. Uxis when he comes in for that Age of Heroes segment, which is just, there's a lot of the same as the theatrical. There was just tweaks here and there. So here what you're getting is the untweaked and the extended version of those scenes. And it worked. It was amazing. And the fact that Uxis was the main villain at that part, it made sense. It made fucking sense. And also makes sense as to why Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf is here and why he's doing the things he's doing. Why he's searching for the mother boxes. All makes sense. All made sense. So then ultimately after work, I got home, put it back on, starting episode 5, or uh, uh, part 5, and oh, it was amazing, it was amazing. A lot of the scenes were just like paintings, moving paintings, the, the story was engaging, the flow did not make you feel like you're watching a very long, long film, it moved. It moved at a good pace. 
a week before, I started watching The Hobbit. Because I wanted to do, go backwards, you know, see The Hobbit, then eventually see Lord of the Rings. I had more trouble watching those extended versions. Because those, those movies are four hours long, pretty much. Four, maybe four ten. I had more trouble watching those than this. Those films, especially like, for example, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, which is ten arguably the slowest of the the Lord of the Rings series. That is a slow burn movie, and I had more trouble going through that one than this. So when I compare the movie, and I, I told um, I, um, I told a friend of mine on on Twitter. This is like Lord of the Rings. What I mean by that is that it's epic. It's a huge epic film. So after I watched the film, all said was done. The only thing I can do was applaud. Alone in my room with the lights off applauding this film and applauding HBO Max and applauding the new management at Warner's who allowed this to happen too applauding them for letting the fans comic book fans Zack Snyder fans DC fans just letting them see technically an uncut film I believe Zack Snyder said that his his real uncut version is five hours long. So God knows what else is in that. But his trim down for this was four hours and it's fantastic. Now, it's not without criticism, too. There are some things I, I would say I can cut out. There's moments where we're like, mm, you don't really need that. You could maybe make this maybe three hours and a half. Make it three hours and a half. And a lot of those maybe small little segments, especially with origin scenes for for uh, Cyborg and for The Flash, maybe take those out and put them in their own perspective movies or a movie where they're going to be working together and make that as um, exp exponential or scenes that pre pretty much will bring up their origin. But... Overall, the film is fucking fantastic. It's a it's an amazing movie. I had a friend of mine who sent me a message, also, and he goes, "My God, that movie! I'm twenty minutes in, twenty minutes in, and I can't stop watching." He saw the whole thing through, and he loved it. He was like, "My God, so amazing, so amazing." So, if you've seen this film. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. What well, could have been technically. Because right now at this moment. And this leads into something different. Uh, today. Uh, studio executives of Warner Brothers. Have come out and said that. There's no plans right now. For. A continuation of this universe. Or even. A release. The the Ayers cut they have no plans for that so 
it's a little confusing when Warner Brothers comes out and says this because what what Warner Brothers is trying to do is set up a multiverse. That's why they have Robert Pattinson's The Batman, which actually was the title for, I believe it's a, it was the title for Ben Affleck's movie. So they gave it to to uh, to uh, Robert Pattinson's movie. They are apparently not afraid to have two Batman movies or two Batman in that the Flash movie and possibly two Batmans and then a third Batman in a different universe. They're not afraid of that multiverse, but for some reason they don't want to do or continue the Zack Snyder universe when they themselves have said we're building a multiverse. Now, I'm a smart enough fan and I give credit to a lot of fans that they will understand, and moviegoers, that they will understand what is going on. And if you don't, it's very simple just to find that out and to understand, ah, so you mean, okay, so they're just in a different, because Marvel fans are going to get this either way with uh, Doctor Strange and the... Um, the, the uh, Doctor Strange 2, the, the name escapes me, the, the tagline. They're going to get this. And they're going to get that with Spider-Man 3, that there's three Spider-Men. Oh, how can that be? Won't, won't people be confused? Eh, no, they're not. They're going to be fine. They're just going to be fine. You have to give audiences the benefit of, of the doubt that they will understand. The executives of these companies, all they care about is money. So they're just trying to make it easy, digestible films so audiences can just fork over the money and not really, they'll get invested, but not emotionally invested. They'll be invested. So it's odd that Warner Brothers wants to do multiverses, yet they don't want to continue the Zack Snyder one. So that's a little odd. But at the same time, it's understandable given... Well, with Cyborg, um, Cyborg's character played by Ray Fisher, Ray Fisher having issues with uh, Walter Hamada, I believe his name is, the executive at WB. It's understandable. And I really hope, seriously, I really hope Ray Fisher, because of this film, you can see how amazing of an actor he is. His storyline is the heart of the film. Zack Snyder was not playing it up. Zack Snyder was not, you know pandering no he was dead sincere cyborg is the heart of this story and he was and that those scenes as particularly with the scene with the waitress oh did i have tears tears an amazing performance by ray fisher and i'm pretty sure now that people have seen this People are going to be asking for him to appear in other things. He's going to get more roles because he has said publicly, if this is the last acting gig he ever gets, that's fine. People have told him, shut your mouth or else you're going to be working retail for the rest of your life. And you know what he does? He says, there's nothing wrong with working retail. I would do it in a heartbeat if I have to. Damn right. That's right. The fact that people are telling him 
to shut his mouth or else he's going to work a retail job. You're at that point, that person is belittling everybody working in retail. No one should be ashamed of working in retail. Yeah, it would suck. It sucks. But you shouldn't. You, there's no shame in working retail. None. And I'm, I, I applaud Ray Fisher so much for for taking those stances. But I can I can literally I'm I'm not literally say because nothing has come out. But I'm so certain. Companies are going to be lining up to hire him for roles, and he's going to be just fine. He's going to be great. He's going to, I bet you right now, on March 22nd, note the date, a few years, let's say five years. In five years, he'll be nominated for Best Actor or maybe Best Supporting Actor, however he wants to play it. He's going to be nominated. That guy can act. He is a class act, too. So he's got it. And he's gonna he's gonna go far. But yeah, today is DC's response to the movement. But never say never. Never say never. Because we understand this, especially with the pandemic has been going on, has opened a lot of eyes to a lot of people and a lot has shed light on a lot of different things. These companies, they just want money. If it doesn't make them a billion dollars, they won't fund it. For HBO Max, it's subscriber base. How many subscribers are they getting because of this? Warner Brothers right now is, is in a position to make even more money. From foreign markets because the film has HBO Max is not in China. HBO Max is not in 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 India. It's only in the United States and in, and in the UK. It's not even in Canada. If Warner Brothers is waiting, well, sorry, HBO Max is waiting to be distributed in those countries. They're not only not only are they wasting money, they're losing possible income so is Warner Bros in this situation because if they don't release a physical copy or put the movie on digital outlets they're losing money they're going to lose money on this but it would be their fault not Zack Snyder's fault their fault so I've been one to say on Twitter if you and I, I said this on Twitter somewhere, you'll you'll see it. If they were to re-release the 2017 Justice League with a work print copy of Zack Snyder's version, with animatics and just incomplete everything, and I don't care, I didn't care. If they would just release that so we can see what we could have gotten, I would have paid a hundred bucks. I was willing to pay a hundred bucks for technically a work print. As a bonus, you would get the really crappy Wheaton edition, but hey, if that was the only way to get that edition, I would have done it. In fact, I did something similar when I was 25, 23. Lucasfilm, before they got bought by Disney, 
they released the original trilogy. And Best Buy had a very limited edition version that it came in a pretty nice tin. Really, really pretty tin. But every special edition had the theatrical cut on it. So, yes, you get version two. Because at this point, I think George Lucas has re-edited his films a few times at that point. But there was the theatrical cut as a bonus disc. And the set was like 60 bucks. Did I hesitate? Hell no. Here, Best Buy, here's my 60 bucks. Give me that, give me that freaking edition. And I still have it to this day. I was willing to pay for a shit movie to get the, the ultimate movie. And I was willing to pay a hundred bucks for this version. And in a funny way I have, because when, when did HBO Max launch? Was it November? Is it November? So we have November, let's say November, November, December, January, February. March, four months. So, so far I paid 40 bucks. But what prompted me to sign up for HBO Max was Justice League. Am I going to keep it? Damn right I am. <laughs> They're bringing up fucking Godzilla uh, um, <laughs> uh, vs. Kong and then you got Mortal Kombat. So there's going to be other films. So yeah, I'm going to keep it. But regardless, even even if they didn't do that slate, they, even though they, even if originally, let's before the pandemic happened, my plan was to keep it going, to prove a point, and as a thank you, thank you for funding it. I'm going to watch as much as I can. And I'm going to basically through my dollars show that, yes, I want this world to continue. So as of right now, Warner Brothers, they only look at the bottom line. That's what it is. So who knows? Maybe their tones will change. Right now they're saying no, but who knows? Maybe their tones will change once they start to see digital sales Physical media sales. Hell, even the toys from McFarland. Fuck. I'm, I am going to try to get those for the store. For the Etsy store. Again, Etsy.com backslash shop backslash whole lot of nerd. I'm going to try to get those toys because those things look fucking gorgeous. Now, there is uh, Walmart only editions. I don't know if I'll be able to get those, but I'm going to try to get to, I'm, I'm going to try to get some because they look fucking amazing. It's Mark. It's McFarlane. McFarlane's toys are always highest quality. And if they have a dark side, I believe they have everybody, including dark side. So you got Steppenwolf. You got dark side. They don't have the side. Sadly, the side. He's not in it. It would be cool to have because he looks awesome. Oh, did he look awesome in that fucking film? Looked fucking awesome. I'm gonna try to get him though. But going back, <laughs> going back to the review, <laughs> I know I've, I've uh, walked away from the review to do a rent on uh, WB. The film 
was fucking glorious. Oh, so I saw it again um, four hours straight recently. Sunday morning, 3 a.m. to Sunday morning, 7 a.m. My buddy and I, we got on their screener app and we watched the movie. Now, he's not a, not as well-versed as I am in the DC lore, so I did explain a little things, but he loved it. And he's not big on these movies. He's not. He's not big on Batman vs. Superman, I believe. He likes Man of Steel. He's okay on Marvel, but he loved this film. So the appeal, the mass appeal for this film is growing. And will Warner Brothers let this slip? Many movie pundits, many in-the-know pundits, movie reviewers, they are they're hearing things, most likely, that right now there's discussions. And rightfully so. Even though that report came out, we know that's never the case. There's always more to it. We know. So who knows, right? As of today, no. Maybe tomorrow, no. Maybe a few years from now. Especially since we're, we have to get over this, this pandemic. Because even though theaters are opening up, in California they've opened up, uh, New York they've opened up, but they're at 25% capacity. That's still not enough. It's not enough to, to, for these companies to make their money back. That's also why you haven't heard Marvel really say anything either. About Black Widow. Black Widow, they need to make a decision on. Because as of right now, they're going to lose a ton of money on this. And if the mouse wants to make the money back, maybe they'll do the the the, the same thing as Warner's. Maybe, most likely, they're going to charge their, their, their uh, Disney Plus customers an extra $30 or maybe even 50 bucks. But that just shows you how greedy they are. You know, that just sucks. But they have to make a decision because they're going to, if they do release this film, release Black Widow in theaters where the capacity for every showing is 25%, they are going to take a huge loss. They're going to take a massive loss. And Disney does not want to lose money. So... Who knows what will happen there? Who knows? But if Warner Brothers reevaluates this at a later date, or even puts this movie, because it's not it technically it's shot for IMAX. It's an IMAX. It's not shot with IMAX cameras, I believe. But it's in the ratio. If they exclusively show it at IMAX only theaters, when capacity is at full where you can fill a whole theater and those numbers come in and they're like fuck fuck who's the executive who said no <laughs> that executive is gonna get fired quick so who knows right now it's a no but tomorrow once everything is better pandemics controlled theaters across the country are at 100% capacity the tones will change 
the tones will change. So, just keep your fingers crossed, Snyder fans. We may hear something later on, maybe by the end of the year. Who knows? The way things are going, by the end of the, by the end of the year, December, it appears, you know, that's when things would be more open and if theaters are 100% and maybe they've shown, you know, Justice League and IMAX, who knows? Maybe WB will give us a Christmas gift, a nice little Zack Snyder Christmas gift. Because remember, this movie was supposed to be five films. This arc was five films. We made it to movie three. Movie four was supposed to be set primarily in the future with the uh, with the justice league losing to dark side but then the final film film 5 justice league 3 from the original storyboards it's apparent that of course justice league wins but at our cost it was Supposed to be Batman dying. Ben Affleck's character would die. Bruce Wayne would die. But it would ring in a new Batman. Now, I don't know who that would be. Apparently, the storyboards are out there. And apparently, you can find them on YouTube. And I'll be researching that. Because I'm interested in finding out what could have been. And there's a lot of talk of the, the epilogue. In Justice League. Now. We know this epilogue. Was shot a few months ago. And apparently was not done with everyone in there. Apparently was done. Basically via Zoom. With a lot of characters. So the only person who was directed I think in person was. um, Actually no. Sorry. Not everyone in Zoom. Ezra Miller was on Zoom because he's apparently filming right now Fantastic Beasts 3. So he was there. So he was directed from afar. Everybody else was either on set at the same time, one by one, or maybe two. Because I believe Joe Manganiello and Ray Fisher were both on set at the same time for this, for that reshoot. Ben Affleck and... Jared Leto, their schedules couldn't align, so they're actually shot separately. But it looks like if it was shot in person, that's the magic of a great filmmaker where it makes you not even, not even realize those people are not there. How awesome is that? Just amazing. Just amazing. Now, most people don't like that scene, but I think they don't understand the context. I tweeted this out to Zack Snyder. Haven't gotten a response. Probably will never get a response. But this is my theory on that scene. Of course we know Batman has a group of outsiders. So this is what you kind of take as Batman and the outsiders. Of Mera, Flash, Cyborg, Deathstroke, and of course Joker. Odd pairing. You know. But that scene happens. The reason for that scene, in my theory, is to close a loop that was started in BVS. 
Because most people, most people, when they saw BVS, they were confused by the flash scene when he's breaking through time and he's warning Bruce. But what if the scene, the epilogue scene we get in Justice League happens moments before the flash goes back in time to warn Bruce? Because if you notice in that scene, he's wearing the exact same outfit that is shown in BVS. So, you see the beginning of that epilogue. You only see the end when you, when you find out that Superman has found them and his, his eyes are ready to burn them all. So, what if at that moment... Superman kills everyone there. The only hope was that Barry Allen could go back in time to a timeline and find Batman or Bruce Wayne and try to tell him Lois is the key. But he was always right about Superman. He was always right. Why, though? That's what we need to know. But that scene closes the loop and answers the question of as to why Barry's, Barry's appearance, his first appearance, is in that scene. That's just my theory. Won't be able to confirm it. But you never know. You never know. But with that, I'm going to end it here. I highly encourage you to watch this movie. If you can, watch it four hours straight. If you can't, I believe the official intermission, if there was a theatrical release, would be at the end of of, uh, episodes. I keep calling episodes. At the end of part four, right before part five begins, that's the official intermission, which apparently is 10 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> you got 10 minutes to go out, take a piss, take a shit, refill your popcorn and get back in there. Or watch them in parts. Parts one, part two, however you want to do it. So far, everyone who has tried this has not been able to do in parts. Part one, part two, part three. They're so engaged They're engaged. They make it to the intermission, which is fine. Others have said, screw it. I'm in. I'm all the way in. And they make it to the very end. So I highly, highly recommend you watch it. It's not with, again, it's not without its flaws, but it is an amazing, huge, huge movie in scope and the soundtrack the soundtrack makes this movie feel like it's supposed to Danny Elfman couldn't do it Danny Elfman did his little Danny Elfmanisms on on, on the thing and for him to say you know there's always been one theme for Batman and that's mine yeah, well, 
think you kind of highly of yourself there, man. But go and watch it. When it comes out, if you're a fan, when it comes out in digital release, go ahead and buy it. I'm buying it. I'm buying in physical release. It's well worth the the investment. If you're a fan of not only the DC universe, but Zack Snyder's films in general. So go ahead. Nerd out. And again, if I'm able to get these, keep an eye out at the store. Etsy.com backslash shop backslash whole lot of nerd. And if you have comments, go ahead, send us send me a Twitter. I'm at whole lot of nerd, one word on Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead, comment, discuss. I'll leave you this week. Everyone take care. Take care of each other. Nerd out. And keep it nerdy.